Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm one of your hosts, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by two awesome co-hosts this week. Nate Heininger, how are you doing, Nate? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. And my brother and bro host, Shane S. Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? I'm doing super good. And this week we're talking about Blaster from the developer of Cave Story, uh, Daisuke Pixel Amaya. Yeah, I'm uh, really glad that we jumped into this game, uh, mostly because it is the second game of three weeks that has both the word blaster in it and involves a confusing story about a frog. So, uh, Master Blaster Part 2, if you will. Until you said that, I hadn't made that connection or quite realized that this was becoming a theme month for us now. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. This is a a shooter, a retro-styled pixel art platformer shooter with blaster in the title and a frog as a central character. Um... So not planned. There's even probably a little bit of a nod to Master Blaster right in the title of Kara Blaster. I actually kind of wonder about that because it wasn't called Master Blaster in Japan, and and Master Blaster was never really pop. Wait, the, the Blaster Master. Excuse me, Blaster. We Master. keep saying it backwards. I, yep, yep. <laughs> we had the same problem on the Blaster Master episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, that game was never really popular over there. So I wonder if uh, the developer would really be all that familiar with or influenced by it. Um, and they are pretty different in a lot of ways. I think that the game's influences, we'll talk a lot about the game's style, but I think it's it wears a lot of its influences kind of on its sleeve. It's very um, Mega Man-y, very run-and-gun, like Contra-esque, uh, very... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very different from uh, Cave Story, uh, Pixel's kind of most well-known and celebrated work. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Cave Story. So uh, even before we had done the, before we started this show, that was one of my first kind of intros into the concept of indie gaming. I mean, it was almost everyone's first kind of intro into indie gaming because it was just really one of the first like top to bottom, bottom indie games. It was a true one man project. Um, Pixel, he did everything and it's everything is great uh music animation the gameplay i mean i could go back and play that game right now and and enjoy it and in fact you can i mean it's been re-released and re-released and remastered and it's coming out on the switch in like two weeks like of course it is it's being it's been re-released and re-explored a hundred thousand times but because it's one of the great indie games and one of the first just one of the great great games yeah absolutely pixel pixel is one of the great developers i think he's um, I think his name is going to go down in history as one of the best kind of Artur individual developers uh, that 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 ever lived. And he has this incredible style that carries through all of his works, uh, both Cave Story and um, Carol Blaster. <laughs> Blaster is the sort of follow-up to Cave Story, and it's kind of an odd follow-up. I remember back in uh, 20- That makes it sound as though uh, this is a sequel, which it absolutely is not. Yeah, yeah. It's really strange. When when I first heard that this game was coming out back in 2014, um, I was very, very excited because I thought that it was likely to be a 
Cave Story sequel or something very like Cave Story. And the more that I heard about it at the time, the more I was like, well, that's not what I want. I want more Cave Story. And at the time, I ended up not very much liking it. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that this came out at the height of the iOS indie boom. Um, and so this was uh, I mean, this was a iOS first game. This came out in 24... I'll find the dates here in a second, but it came out first... 2014. On, it, yes, 2014. It was May 11th, 2014. And it came out exclusively on the iPhone. And then it uh, it came like six months later to PC via like Steam and um, Playism. I think that was probably a really good business decision at the time because, you know, the indie scene on iOS was really, was really big. Um Delivering to iOS exclusively, even for a short time, could often get you, and I believe for this game did get um, App Store kind of featured status oh, yeah. uh, for a while, uh, which is a guaranteed uh, way to make money even today. And, I, well, I think all of that served for me to obscure uh, the incredible awesomeness of this game. It Because did, yeah. I tried to play it through these... Uh, touchscreen controls that are just not suited to the style of gameplay at all. It has a couple of good ideas with the touchscreen controls, and it's it's doable, but it just didn't click for me at the time. Yeah, it came out at a time you're talking about like the indie boom, but it also came out at a time where people thought that they could that they could be the one to make a game uh, on iOS that is a action platformer that often requires. Uh, you know, very precise movement, uh, and it would be possible and enjoyable with touchscreen controls. Um, it wasn't until, I guess I can only think of like Leo's Fortune is one of the only games that I can think of that had like sort of action-y touchscreen controls. I don't know, even that, like, I think people figured out that the only way to make that kind of thing work is to make it floaty as hell and really forgiving. And that's something that Leo's And an auto runner, like basically yeah. that's all that you can do in terms of platformers on mm-hmm. iOS today and and still be sure that people are going to put up with your control scheme. Yeah. yeah Whereas exactly. this game, it's control scheme on iOS and not to get too sidetracked with that because we're not really talking about the iOS version today, but it is how I first experienced the game. Um, uh, and we'll talk about all the details of what it plays like in a little bit, but um, Carol Blaster is, awesome. is... It plays great. It, it is. It's, it's awesome. Carol Blaster is a, is a shooter, a side-scrolling action platformer shooter in the style of games like Mega Man or maybe Contra or things like that. Um, it's got the very, very you know, pixel style of – and when I say pixel, I'm talking about the developer. It's got his style of level design, um, but it has a very sort of Mega Man-ish sort of feel to the progression through those levels. And uh, if you thought, wow, playing a Mega Man-style game on the iPhone, that sounds – uh, awful, then you're right. It kind of didn't work out too well. They had one very clever idea, uh, which was basically that rather than having, so you have left and right buttons on screen to move left and right, and then you have a jump button, and you also have, rather than a button to shoot, you have a lever that you can pull in uh, three directions, left, right, or up uh, to shoot. And then you would pull the lever in that direction, and then the frog, the central character frog, would just continue to shoot in that direction. So that was actually a kind of a good idea. You could point him to the right. He would continue to shoot to the right until you told him to do otherwise, and then you could focus on moving him around the screen. But ultimately, it just it didn't work for me personally. I know a lot of people really liked that version of the game, but 
that kind of soured me on it. And later, six months later, when it came out on PC and Windows only, um, I didn't even really give it a second look. So here we are years and years later, um, and it has surprise come out on the PlayStation 4. And I thought, wow, actually, maybe I should give that another try. And I mean, that's where we are. I, I gave it another try, really, really enjoyed it way more than I did back in 2014. And um, I, I mean, wow, I think I'm so glad that I gave it a second look. I don't know how this managed to bubble up um, back into our top of our list right at the same time as Blaster Master, but it does sort of feel like um, NES era nostalgia platformers are having kind of a moment. They just all they have. No, we're. I think it's just we happen to be looking at two of them at the same time. I mean, I feel like these. It's me. I don't that's having the moment. <laughs> I, I don't. Well. No, I, nostalgia driven isn't really the right word because it is just an art style that is maintained from that time. You know, these are still like at, because the indie scene is so huge now and the tools that are needed to develop these sorts of games are infinitely available. And so we're just always going to see games like this. Um, yeah. And I don't look at this, Shane, and, and think that this is an NES style game at all. Even you, this or Cave Story, um, uh, you know, Pixel has his own kind of house style. Um, and it, it seems to, it feels to me like a kind of a, I mean, it's clearly retro and it has this very like retro aesthetic, but it feels like something sort of out of place in time. It feels like some sort of a weird midpoint between like, uh, 16 mm. and eight bits. And it, you know, it has these incredibly bright, beautiful, colorful sprites that are blocky and chunky, but have this expressive color scheme that you would never have seen on those sorts of platforms. I, I look at this game and immediately see this is this is a pixel game. This is from Pixel. So here here's the thing about this about the sprites. You say maybe this isn't NES style to you, but to me it reads very much like a uh, uh, an, an NES game, and in fact way more so. This is a simpler art style mm -hmm. than uh, than Cave Story does, which ha which reads more along the lines of a like a Super Metroid to me, but. Uh, the, the, to start with, I want to talk about the sprite of the frog, who looks like he's made, like his head is made out of just a single pixel stair step pattern with one horizontal eye and one horizontal line for the mouth. And he's so simple. He, he's he's even a standout as a, as a simplified, like low, uh, low effort, maybe not low effort, low, um, low complexity character even compared to the other uh, sprites in the game he seems to be one of the oldest uh, elements because uh, this game its development history is kind of long and it was announced uh, very long before the game originally came out as Garrow Blaster that's with a G rather than a K um, and uh, I don't know all of the details but long story short you know he, apparently uh, Pixel got pretty far creating this game that was very similar but a different game under the hood and uh, that was based on some comics that he would draw about himself and his girlfriend. His girlfriend portrayed as a cat and himself portrayed as this sort of sad-eyed frog. And um, that sprite seems to be one of the key elements that was carried over from the original Garrow Blaster, which was canceled, uh, into Caro Blaster, uh, which was kind of a rebuild from scratch of Garrow Blaster. 
Um, so it's clear that this frog has some sort of meaning to uh, Pixel. I think it's sort of a, a self-insert. And I kind of like how simple and kind of, uh, I guess, like, dead-eyed and basic he looks. Because it, it's it's deceptively... Um, there, there's something expressive about its simplicity. It's hard to really put my finger on. I have I have often quoted something about Hello Kitty, and I think that I think applies here. And that is that uh, the reason Hello Kitty was designed by Sanrio to have uh, a no no mouth and a blank expression because she must scream. <laughs> yes, <laughs> is because oh, it, it, it encourages people to like project their emotions onto onto Hello Kitty. And I kind of think that that's the case here. The only time the frog ever shows emotions is uh, when he gets an item pickup. Gets his uh, jacket. He's so happy. Yeah. Oh my, oh my god. god. <laughs> that's the best moment in this game for me was when he gets that jacket, which first off is a great looking jacket. Really, <laughs> it is a great looking jacket. Really looks good on this frog. And like second, when he gets it, he leaps into the air and turns to face uh, the player and has this enormous froggy grin on his face. And it's still a super simple sprite, but now it's an extremely happy one. And I love that moment. Yeah, the frog is probably the simplest and most noticeably simple sprite of all of them. Almost looks like a Commodore 64 sprite. Yeah, at least the other ones generally have uh, multiple colors, um, have more expressions, um, seem a lot less flat than, um, you know, than Frog, which is just his name. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, but the, you know, the thing is too that, at least for me in a game like this, which can sometimes be a little bullet helly, you're not even really looking at the frog the most. You're looking at what's happening on the screen. You're, you know, getting ready to dodge or jump or shoot or whatever. The thing that um, I liked the most about this game, you just touched on, Nate, you just said it is a little bit bullet helly. This game goes from being a little bit, a little bit of a hell for frogs. Uh, to absolutely being a hell for anything else on screen, uh, because <laughs> your uh, your frog like the weapons, which I want to spend some time talking about. Once you've got them upgraded, you are just a god of like destroying force, like pouring bullets all over the screen, bouncing off of everything. So before we dig into the the mechanics too deeply, uh, let's talk just a little bit about the setup of the quote-unquote story. Something I think that sets <laughs> this game apart from uh, Cave Story is that it has an incredibly minimal story. Cave Story seems on the f- surface like it has a minimal story, and then there is actually kind of a lot going on. It gets deeper and gets deeper and, and it gets deeper. Like, I, I love... <laughs> the cave story um and i think it's very very interesting and very very unique and so i uh, i was going to carol blaster assuming the same sort of care and and world building and story building that i found in cave story uh and it's it's not there but what is there is very strange and unlike most games that I've played. I, I actually kind of have to disagree with you, Nate, because like the things that I like about Cave Story, there are a, a thousand things I could say I love about Cave Story, but it's quote unquote lore. I don't care about it at all. It's very boring and lame. And I mean, at the most, like some of the characters are cute visually, but like, I don't really care about the story of Cave Story. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the Mimigas. I don't care about the doctor and his crazy brain or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> but this game... 
it kind of dispenses with that and leaves just a little absurdist premise. Reagan, you didn't have like a moment where you cried a little when you found out that the mean lady and the lunchbox were feeding flowers to the to the migas <laughs> and that they were turning into big old migas and you had to fight the big old migas and that those were like your friends but they were turned big by the red flowers that No, I I I didn't, didn't I didn't cry about no. that at all. Well, neither Reagan, did I. We, we don't yeah, I didn't, don't I didn't cry. I know what a dumb story. <laughs> hey, we don't need to talk about the Kelly's uh cold dead black hearts on this uh podcast any longer. Yeah. Um I, no, I see what you're saying, and, and I, I'm not saying that cave story was this like groundbreaking, heartfelt story. But I just thought the way that it was told, the fact mm-hmm. that it was this like Metroidvania where it focuses mostly on you know shooting things, that they did manage to weave a really weird and interesting story into it. Yeah, and I don't mean to shit on cave story, like God forbid. But, like, one of the contrasts between this game and that is that it it doesn't spend an ounce of effort trying to set up lore. It gets you directly to playing an action game. And what time it does spend outside of that action is mostly just jokes. Uh, and it's actually really charming and cute. So the premise is that you are Frog, and you are one half, presumably, or one part of Cat and Frog, which is a teleporter company so no i mean i I think you're even explaining more than the than it gives you as you first get started (laughs) because because they you're just walk down a hallway and you get teleported so you answer a phone and then you blow up some black things and then and then you know some inexplicable shit happens and then there's a scene where it's like your cat that you talked to and the weird pink blob and and one of them's like what does he do again and the other (laughs) one's like oh he's he's a custodian he's a, a janitor yeah, so and that's so that's the that's the job of the frog. You're a gun-toting frog janitor. Cool. The cat gives you a real talking to too. It really doesn't feel like a partnership because every time you go to talk to the cat, it's just like screaming at you as if it's like your boss. And then you go and you get teleported by two strange assistants who kind of talk behind your back and talk behind the boss's back. And they're like, oh, you you know, go clean this up. And what you're cleaning up is, I guess, the world that they're teleporting to. And, yeah. and and they get infested by monsters. So you're going to clean up these places to make them safe to teleport to? Yeah, I think so. Like, there's there's four? Is it four? How, how many main zones are there? I'm, I'm actually misremembering. Seven. Seven. Jeez, I'm is totally seven? miscounting. Okay. Uh, there's seven main zones. But I think one of those is, like, the back to the office level so i guess it's really more six there's six main zones and each of those levels uh you teleport in and your job is to use a variety of guns to shoot various different monsters and particularly these quote-unquote things that are like black blobs with eyes they look very um spirited away or is that the right movie the the ghibli movie with the dust bunnies and yeah i'm sorry that is a uh there's a hole in my uh Never mind. Oh, man, Why you got to be <laughs> ignorant all your life? Yeah. Uh, the frog is just going into these various 
uh, sort of bizarre worlds to try to clean them out and make them safe for teleporting. One thing that I really loved about this game was that the structure was really, really good. Like, you start off for every level, uh, you know, pretty much the same. You're getting teleported somewhere. And if, you've, if you're starting over, you're starting over from the hospital, which is great. <laughs> um, and, like, you, you start off by, you know, at the start of every level, just go right. You know, this isn't like a Metroidvania like his other work. Uh, this is really simple. You just keep on going and blow up everything. And uh, halfway through the level, there's going to be a bubble that you can uh, inexplicably jump into because there's a cat frog logo on it. And uh, when you do so, you get to visit a store, upgrade your shit with all the coins you've been picking up. And then there's probably a mini boss and a boss. A weird guy who throws, librarian who throws books at you, who becomes like a mechanic later and throws wrenches at you. That's uh. a, that's the thing. Like, th- there's <laughs> elements in this that repeat that aren't even part of the. Who is this guy? Does he just what work is up here? With that? Like, yeah, we just. Things... <laughs> why am I killing this? Why am I killing this nice librarian? I mean, he's throwing so big? books. Oh, it, he's throwing black things, I guess. Yeah, he's but, throwing uh, books at me. It's but... it's like full of little like mysterious stuff that it doesn't fully explain but doesn't really feel like it needs to be fully explained because it is so kind of um i guess a little bit absurdist i guess you could really dig into this and try and construct lore around it but you don't need to the thing artistically that 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 i think we're latching onto right there is that there's a um there's a there's a groundedness to this game that makes those weird things seem extra weird. So, like, you'll be in a level where you're going through a uh, a hotel that's like old and rotted out, and you know that's that's your. It's a very like real world feeling place. Like it's well decorated, well designed. It's like his art is on point for this stuff. And then you run into a giant fish. I guess is what happened there. Where was so. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and it just gets con- continually weirder and weirder and weirder throughout the game, um, while still keeping these moments of like groundedness, like those guys at the end of every level that look like, hey, there's there and a a guy here fixing the lights. Why do all why do all these light fixtures fall on me? And then there's always this one guy. What's up? So you were talking about the sort of like rhythm of moving through these levels and that's something that originally really threw me off about the game even when i first started it on on ps4 until i kind of figured out what that rhythm is all about so um this game is designed for each of these levels to be replayed multiple times but not start to finish um you have three lives you are usually when you're starting a level you're usually a bit underpowered for it um, and everything drops coins. And so you, you know, go into the level, you try not to die, you kill a bunch of dudes and 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 get coins from them. Uh, maybe you can find some secrets. They f- hide, uh, like, safes and coin bags and things all over the, the levels in different places. And ultimately, you'll probably die. Uh, on any given level, I think I... Uh, like game overed and went back to the hospital at least once on any given level in the game. Um, And if you kind of game over and have to continue, it's going to start you back at the beginning of that level. But you've by then gotten enough coins that you can upgrade your guns and other stuff. So um, there are a bunch of different things you can pick up throughout the game, Uh, new weapons and a jetpack that lets you do a double jump, the jacket, 
Um, and most of those, or at least the, the weapons, uh, can be upgraded several times. And it's pretty expensive to do that in terms of number of coins, um, but they make an enormous difference. So, you know, you might be getting up to the point of a boss in, uh, in one level and dying several times and have to start the whole level again, but it never really feels like that big of a setback because you can get back to that point pretty quickly, get a bunch more coins on the way, and then upgrade your gun and not exactly one-shot kill him, but get past a boss that was giving you trouble. Once you've done a little bit of upgrading, something that was very difficult before becomes extremely easy. This is actually the only part of the game that I had a little bit of frustration with. And I've been trying to figure out why, because I generally, I you know, roguelikes are one of my favorite types of games, so I don't have a problem with playing things over. Uh, I like, uh, you know, mastery being a, a thing, so part of this is getting better at, like, predicting the monsters and learning the bosses. Um, so generally, I like those elements in games. Um, so when you say, oh yeah, you gotta play the levels a few times uh, to level up, like, Generally, that's something that I don't have a problem with. I mean, I played Destiny for like a year and a half, and that is <laughs> just basically playing the same shit over and over and over and over and over. So, generally speaking, that is something that I have no problem with, and in fact, tend to like. I did, to a degree, get frustrated later in the game with this system, and I think it was because, for the most part... No, I'd say 95% of my deaths were on the bosses themselves. I generally didn't have much problem getting through the levels. So it would be play through the whole level, get my coins, get to the boss, probably die a few times just learning how the boss works, and then, you know, need to continue, play through the whole level to get back to the boss. And then by that point, I figured out what, how to beat the boss, and I usually could get him on my, my second time, but maybe it would take me to my third time. And especially as the game gets a little bit gets further on, these zones do get longer. And so, like, I think it was, like, the fourth level, I, I kind of started to feel like a grind and not the fun kind of grind, the, like, I just have to get through this so I can get to try the boss again. Um, and I won't say that this was an overwhelming feeling for me. Um, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this game. I went, in, I went into this game with, you know, I had a similar problem with the game, but I think my, uh, like, to me, that really, the grindiness really expressed, expresses itself right at the start and right at the end. And, like, I had a hard time getting started in this game, and then I spent a phenomenal amount of time at least an hour and a half just solid on repeating the last level in order to get to the final boss and try it again and again. And like in the middle, everything was really smooth sailing. That part felt really, really good. And this is such a hard problem for game developers because like bad checkpointing is really easy to do. Like every way that I've seen checkpointing done from like the you know, the semi-optional crystal globes in Shovel Knight uh, to games where you basically lose no progress at all, like, uh, uh, well, I guess... Uh, Blaster Master. Blaster Master. <laughs> the is the Blaster like Master that. Zero. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and any way you, anyway you do it, you're, you're, you're making a very 
meaningful, like hugely hard to, you know, carefully balance decision for your players. So it's kind of hard. Yeah. Well, it's funny though. I, I had a different sort of experience though, because, and I think it was part, part of my problem is I actually, I don't think I used to continue until the third to like the third zone. I, I kind of managed to just like make my way through it. And then I think I was very underpowered because I was not grinding. I, I this, this concept of like, having to play these levels over and over and over didn't really happen to me until I got into the kind of the midpoint of the game. And then it kind of hit me like a truck and I had to basically play catch up. I think we actually even talked about a moment uh, over Slack where this was in the level that was kind of the underground with the train area. And you reach a shop there. And this is one of the hardest parts of the game that you've been in up to this point. And when you leave this shop and continue on in the game, uh, there's a huge area that's nothing but a hallway full of low-level enemies, and you can mow them down completely. And that was when it clicked for me. Like, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna suck enough at this game that I can't do it with just the low-level guns that I have. So I'm gonna go back and forth and walk down this hallway. Hallway, and I spent like a good solid three minutes doing that collecting enough coins to buy another like level of upgrade and then continue on from there uh but getting getting to points where i feel like i have to do that is you know it's not great i guess i had just a sweet i hit some sort of sweet spot for the ramping on the difficulty here because it really felt like pretty much every single level i had to continue exactly once and then got past it and usually i could get past the first boss the mid boss of each level Mm -hmm. uh you know on the first run and get through to that middle um that middle checkpoint that usually follows the the first boss and at that point you can buy very cheaply a refill of all of your hearts and also start up doing you know all of your upgrades so i could almost always get past that middle boss and then buy some sort of fancy upgrade to use against the final boss and you know usually i would end up having to go back through but it does at least it makes you replay the level but it never makes you replay a boss which Mm -hmm. is really um i guess merciful design there so even though i would often have to start the level over from scratch in order to get back to that final boss by that point i knew the layout i had already just upgraded my gun and you know the level that the first half of the level that maybe took me 30 minutes to get through when i first went through it i could get through in 10 um, and that actually mm-hmm. felt great because I felt like I was suddenly, you know, I, I was really making progress even within a single level. It felt like I was getting better all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they do some really cool scaling things too, with like, uh, one of the last zones you fight two of what was the first boss, mm-hmm. just like out in the land and you're just, you know, completely obliterate them and you're just like man i really have come a long way so they, yeah, they that, definitely that's well done yeah there's there, some there, that, that represents there's kind of a, a build to the we were talking about kind of the build of the game like that last level that you're describing where you're going back and seeing practically every creature that you fought in the game over again uh mm-hmm. just all in one chaotic pile um that's a that's a and you're mowing through it with these gigantic super overpowered weapons that fill the sc- screen completely with bouncing pro, you know projectiles. That's a fun that's a fun level to play even a few times. 
Yeah. There was just a moment for me, though. Um, so I had, like, gotten to the boss. Because, like I said, I mean, I almost, I, I pretty much only died to the final bosses. And so I'd get to the boss, I'd fail, and I'd have to play it again. And, and Molly was watching me play. And she saw me play all the way through a level, fail on the boss, and then play all the way through the level again. And she's like, is this fun for you? <laughs> like, playing the exact same level over. Um and it's like, well, I guess that's not really the point of this moment. Like, I it it wasn't necessarily fun for me to replay the exact same thing. Um, you know, I, yeah, over it, that's, multiple that's, times in a row. That's that's too bad. And I, I think that the big the big difference for me was mostly that by the time I was replaying this the start of the level again, which I almost always had to do, I had just upgraded um, mm-hmm. something. And I was able to, 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 you know, make use of that. And it felt suddenly fresh in some way. The, with the weapon upgrades in this, we should probably spend some time talking about just how good the weapons are in this game. Oh, yes. They're so good. Yeah. Um, we don't need to like list every single one, but there's four key weapons and I'm not going to remember what each one of them has multiple sort of upgrade levels. I'm not going to remember what all of them are properly. There's well, Reagan. There is uh, there is the laser that starts off as the pea shooter, becomes the repeater, and then upgrades to the laser and the laser Uzi. Oh yeah, right. I never got to the laser Uzi. I don't think. What? Oh man, that's the best weapon in the game. It does the Tons the laser Uzi is the highest damage output, so you can just like cut through stuff oh wait you know i did i did get that one i didn't get the i didn't get the highest level of the of the fan weapon but i did get the laser uzi yeah. that's You're right. the that second was... best weapon in the game absolutely <laughs> so if you didn't get the laser uzi then you are are missing out the only thing that saves you from the enormous damage sponge energy uh, enemies that are another complaint that i have with this game the, there are a lot of Enemies in this game where you have to really unload on them for a significant amount of time. Um, And, like, yeah, the laser Uzi does a ton of damage. I really enjoyed the kind of more edge case weapons in this, which I think this is just a a touchstone of Pixel's game design. Because uh, in Cave Story, this was also true. There's a huge variety of different weapons, and you had that same kind of blaster mastery uh, upgrade system for them where you would, if you, if you took damage, you would lose some of your weapon power and the weapons would devolve in this. You're upgrading them permanently in exchange for coins, but there's a huge variety and some of them are really high powered. Well, I think, I think saying a huge variety is a bit of an overstatement. There are four yeah, types of weapons, there's four. but they, they each have their own really, really interesting use case. Um, the 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 one you start with the pea shooter is the most basic. It's straight ahead, and it feels like you know you're it, it's an obvious like middle of the range. Each one of the fifteen weapon. different like levels of the weapons controls and and behaves a little bit differently though. So That's, I do well, think there's on. a lot of variety. There's there. there's four weapons each that have three to four upgrades. So if you're including each upgrade tier as its own weapon then yeah it does kind of have a range but they're mostly just like iterations of the previous version i mean the only one that gets like the you know like an example so you start with like the fan weapon which when it starts out it shoots a wave of energy that is about as big as the frog actually a little bit bigger above and below the frog so Mm -hmm. it's great for clearing out like a wave of enemies and then as as you upgrade it 
it basically gets wider and wider and wider until you get to the point that you're shooting um, a huge fan in front of you of projectiles that actually bounce off the wall. So it's great for clearing like a huge area or the um, laser Uzi becomes from a pea shooter that actually only has a range of, you know, I don't know, 10 feet in front of uh, the, the frog to a, wall of energy that is going um like pulsating and does the most damage so they are technically different weapons in each iteration um but they're really just like how could this become a better version of itself yeah and the other two weapons are a little more situational because they will tend to be um uh like the 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 bubble weapon tends to arc upwards or it also floats, uh, so in some situations you can use it to shoot above you uh, in in ways that you can't with the other weapons. And the fire weapon will kind they of they arc downwards, Regan. They roll. Along oh, I'm the sorry, ground. I'm mixing it up. Right, the the bubble weapon arcs downwards and will roll along the ground, so you can fire it at things that are below you if there's a slope. And the same goes in reverse. Excuse me for the fire weapon, which will essentially climb slopes, uh, and you can use it to burn things that are slightly higher than you. So I found myself switching melts those ice. in a lot of situations. And you ultimately get like a fire shield too with the fire weapon, which is pretty cool. The uh, the the best weapon in the game, without a doubt, is the star mine, which is the highest upgraded version of the bubble gun um just because of the description because i was really enjoying the bubble weapon like there's a bubble gun in uh in cave story too and i really liked that one uh and you know here i am playing a new game by pixel on hey it's got my favorite gun in it and you get to the highest upgrade for it and star mine increased travel speed and rate of fire for all the bubble lovers out there (laughs) <laughs> is the description and i was like hey that's me <laughs> see that's so funny too and i think this is actually a a great um like endorsement for the game uh you know that was your favorite weapon i almost never used it the only time i used it was actually the only time i really used it is actually a really really important moment it was to me the key weapon to defeating the final boss and oh, yeah. I it's I, I don't know how you beat the final boss without the star mine. So I, I think it was it was great balance. I mean every weapon at some point is needed, um, but I I very rarely used the bubble mine. I pretty much only used the laser Uzi um or the, the most upgraded fan weapon. Um You know, even to- even with all that, I used the I used the laser Uzi on the on the final boss. I found mm. the star mine to be ineffective because of the weird little scrambling black things that yeah but you use those to clear out the floor in case you do fall so you're taking less damage if you hit the ground so that's why i use just don't (laughs) fall maybe that's why i well uh, that's a good point (laughs) maybe that's why i I died so many times can't argue all the weapons were like (laughs) exceptionally good and fun like everything about controlling this game at least in this version and the shooting was excellent and I'm just so glad that we went back and played this. Uh, you know, I had kind of written this off. Like, I I'd kind of thought, well, that was a, a weird uh, experiment from this clearly excellent game developer that just didn't work because of its platform. And I was so wrong. It was just a game, like, on the wrong platform for me. And this may very well be perfect on the iPhone for you. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. If you feel like you can play uh, action-oriented games on your phone, then maybe this is the right platform to, maybe that's the right platform to play it on. So you can yep. get this game on iOS for five bucks. You can get it on Steam for something like 10. Am I right? Yeah, I think it's 10 everywhere else. Yeah, and I think it's also nine ninety nine 
on PlayStation 4, which is where we played it. And I absolutely 100% recommend the PS4 version of this mm-hmm. game and uh, probably identically the uh, the PC version, if that's what you prefer. Yeah, totally. I think we all recommend it. And, and please don't let my... Um, you know, sort of gripes with a particular aspect of the game put push you off from it because clearly we all had our own experiences and that was even with that I I really enjoyed it and and one thing I just want to shout out too is just like I, I the shooting was so simple and so satisfying I mean it's it's just hold hold square and you just unleash a hail of gunfire and, and one thing that was interesting to me too for a game that had um you know, you're shooting in kind of like three dimensions. You're either not three dimensions, but you're either shooting forward, backwards or up. If you you have to, as you're shooting, you have to let go of shooting to aim up and then start shooting again. It's not something where you're like running around and controlling the gun independently of the, uh, of the frog. You're controlling like it's all one moment or movement. So you have to, if I'm shooting forward, I can move forward or backwards while I'm shooting. I can jump while I'm shooting. But if I want to shoot up, I have to let go of the button and then press up and then shoot. And then I can move the frog freely. And so it it's kind of like tanky, tank controly <laughs> feeling. Yeah, I know what um, you mean. I think it may be a, a holdover from the like original iOS controls where you'd kind of set it to and forget it to shoot in a particular direction. But it still worked on the PlayStation 4 uh, for me. Well, that's what I mean. It works. Like, it, it, it's a little different than what you're expecting from most games that have, um, like, I don't think that's how most... Yeah, it doesn't control, like, Contra, for example. You know, the, those games, you have more independent control of the gun and the, and the, and the player, um, whereas this one, you're just kind of holding square and running around and shooting and then readjusting the direction you want to shoot. It, it it sort of goes without saying on this show as well, but this hits a real sweet spot for length with this kind of game. This game took me probably four and a half or five hours, and I think any shorter, and I would have felt like it wasn't long enough quite to like to give me the complete experience I was looking for, but any longer, and I think I probably would have gotten frustrated with it and not completed it. I think it's a really, mm-hmm. like, a it, it's kind of the perfect length for this type of game. It's much, much shorter than Cave Story. Um but and that wasn't exactly an epic length game either. But like at four and a half hours, this is I think all retro styled games ought to ought to strive for a sort of a you know one and done short weekend length because I don't think we have the patience for. Yeah, this actually took me seven hours. Really? Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You suck. I ended at five. I ended at five hours as well. Um, I I think if I had my way, this game actually would have had remove the repeat mechanic and just have like seven more zones. <laughs> but um, that's obviously a lot to like, Hey, uh, indie developer, just double the amount of content in your games, you know? Um, but I just enjoyed, I enjoyed my first run through a level like so much that I just want, I wanted like more levels. I wanted to see more and, and explore more and all that. Um, but yeah, five hours, sweet spot for a game like this well you're in luck because there are more levels to this game like once you beat it uh there is this whole new game plus mode um that i think is a little bit more than what you're typically going to see in a new game plus because it seems like it has a new story uh the frog changes color (laughs) Uh, (laughs) wow uh and the the levels uh are 
uh, very different in terms of like enemy placement and stuff. So it seemed, I'm, yeah, you know, I, I didn't get too far into it, but it seemed like there was like big changes. That was to, really surprising to, to me because it, all it says is when you beat the game, it's like you've unlocked. Uh, I can't forget. I can't remember what word they call it, but then in parentheses, it says hard mode. Uh, so it's like you've unlocked hard mode. And so, you know, 95% of games, that means, okay, we're just, we're going to ramp up like, uh, cre- you know, enemies on the screen. We're going to lower the amount of coins that you can get and, uh, hits are going to, you know, take more damage. Um, so I was like, no, I don't really need that. You know, I get why it's there. I'm glad they put it in there. Um, but I feel content with my five hour, you know, regular mode ex- experience. But I think, when you, I think what when they, I find out there's did way more. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think what they change, and I've played a little bit of it. I haven't like beaten it uh, again. Uh, but the first kind of noticeable thing is the story is definitely different. Like this is a sequel story. So if you want more time with these <laughs> characters such as they are, you can get it. Uh, and the cat boss uh, invites the whole company to go to a weekend retreat at a uh, at a an onsen. Uh, Japanese spa. Yeah, a hot spring spa. So you get your uh, your frog and cat uh, fan service. One would. Hope. But, <laughs> I think it's great because it's uh, kind of a it's almost a parody of the sort of like yeah. uh, I, I guess like late game material in a lot of Japanese games. There's always the like I, I think of the like onsen chapter that's always inserted into the end of a Persona game, for example. And they've got uh, you get to play through the whole game again, but there are actually like new um, new enemies to fight and stuff. There's uh, a new like gun. the bosses. There's a whole new gun you can get. So yeah, there's a there's a lot going on in this new game. Plus, I honestly maybe we should we should count this game as more like a ten hour game and 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 include all that boss content. I wish it told you that it. it I wish it didn't just say, "Do you want to play hard mode?" Because I, I feel that probably my reaction to, uh, you know, I'm going to speak for everyone here, but I feel like that's probably what most people do is say, oh, hard mode, meh. But if it's like a whole new story with a new gun, with new bosses, like that should just be like, hey, do you want to play chapter two? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right? Um, yeah, and then I'd be like, way. then I'd be like, hell yeah, go right into chapter two. Why not? Like I said, I wanted more, just not have the end of the game be where the end of the game was. And have it scale differently and just let me play all the way through that too, you know? Oh, okay, Reagan. So the the name of this mode, you said like whatever it is, hard mode. It's Zangyu mode, which is overtime mode. Oh, um, Which okay. is, I guess, the, you know, they're, they're, because, which makes sense because in this, in the new story, they are working overtime at the end of the week trying to get done with everything as quick as they can so they can go to the hot spring. Well, I think it's about time that we all uh, uh, head to the hot spring as well. So, yes, let's take this podcast to the official short game hot spring, guys. So um, this was this was a really awesome game. I'm really glad that we went back to it. Um, next week, we have a game that we've been looking forward to as a show for a very, very long time. Sorry, I did just sort of cut everybody off there. Is everybody comfortable? No, I just want to say, Reagan, I just want to say great transition. <laughs> great transition, Reagan. <laughs> Next week, we have a game that, as a show, we've been looking forward to for a really, really long time, um, and that is What Remains of Edith Finch. Yes. Now, I don't – that when you're listening to this, it's already out, but today, when we're recording this, this comes out tomorrow, 
And we've been looking forward to this game for a really long time. It's from the developers of The Unfinished Swan, which was something that we covered a while back and thought was absolutely super cool. Um, go back and listen to that episode. If you missed The Unfinished Swan, it's it's absolutely awesome. Yeah, they are the, they are the reigning champs of the um, weirdly trippy walking simulator. So, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, and so uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, we don't know very much about it at this point, but, and I've been specifically trying to avoid things because I have heard some folks say that this is a game best approached without knowing very much about it. Uh, that's why I, I hope that you'll take this as warning. I'm pretty confident this is going to be a great one. Um, I read some advanced reviews and impressions. They were all glowing. If you lo- like the quote-unquote walking simulator type of game, this is probably one to check out as soon as you possibly can. So it, I, uh, we're going to be talking about it next week. It's probably going to be pretty spoiler heavy. Um, and it's a game that's probably best experienced fresh. So if you are hearing the sound of my voice and you're looking for something to play, maybe make that your next game and we'll talk about it and let us know uh, what you think about it because we're going to be playing it uh, tomorrow, I guess, and hopefully bringing you an episode about it very soon. The Unfinished Swan was a beautifully interesting game, and I am very, very much looking forward to the un, uh, what remains of Edith Finch. Even the title is uh, is evocative, and I'm, I, I have I I too want to avoid spoilers. Literally, all I know about this game is the name and that it was made by the people who made. <laughs> unfinished swan and so i'm trying to go into it uh as fresh as possible i've heard slightly more than that but not enough to be spoilery or anything and everything sounded really cool so finch hype if you uh if you want to check out our show first of all um thank you for listening to the short game if you like the show the best way to support us is to go to our website and then click through to itunes and leave us a review we really appreciate uh five-star reviews uh they are the only way to support the show we don't have any sort of patreon or anything so we do really appreciate those and they make a difference Uh, i know a lot of shows say that and they say it because it's true it's one of the only ways that people uh discover podcasts uh so uh if you have the time uh, write us an iTunes review. Yes. And I want to give a quick shout out to a couple of people who have done just that. We love you. So shout out to Frankly Darko. He said, amongst many nice things, that we are usually funny, which is just the biggest compliment that a I can bold face lie. <laughs> uh, because I'm usually unusually unfunny. I, I hope that one day uh, on my tombstone, it just says Nate Heininger usually funny that's what i really (laughs) go for (laughs) and also to uh uh, these are the names that they give us when they uh, write the review to donna isabel who says thanks for the show well donna we are happy to bring it to you um and if you want to hear your itunes tag read on our show (laughs) um please let us know what you think. Uh, we love hearing from you. We also love feedback of any kind. If you want to let us know what you think of the show or let us know about games that you think we ought to be covering. And that's some of the most useful feedback folks send us. A pretty large proportion of the games we cover on this show are due to people recommending them to us. Best way to do that is through our website. Go to www.theshortgame.net. There's a contact form on that page where you can send us a message. Um, you can also reach us on Twitter. We are at underscore short game. And uh, we love Twitter. So if you drop us a line there, we're sure to see it and respond. Uh, my, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Nate, where can people find you? 
You can also find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you? Also over on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Short Game.